going to be reading from uh, Ephesians, Ephesians chapter 6. If you'd turn there, Ephesians chapter 6, I'm going to begin reading at verse 18. It says, With all prayer and petition, pray at all times in the Spirit. And with this in view, be on the alert with all perseverance, petition with for all the saints. And pray on my behalf that utterances may be given to me in the opening of my mouth to make known with boldness the mystery of the gospel for which I am an ambassador in chains that in proclaiming it I may speak boldly as I ought to speak. But that you also may know about the circumstances About my circumstances, how I am doing, Tychicus, the beloved brethren and faithful minister in the Lord, will make everything known to you. I have sent him to you for this very purpose, so that you may know about us and that that he may comfort your hearts. Peace be to the brethren and love with faith from God the Father and our Lord Jesus Christ. Grace be with you all those who love our Lord Jesus Christ with an incorruptible love. Let's go to the Lord in prayer. Father, we we thank you, Lord, for being a God who is powerful enough to change our lives. Father, you are you are a God that we we have a hard time even understanding, even knowing, because you are You are so inconceivable to us. Even when we try to bring you down to our level so that we can understand, that's not sufficient to explain and detail who you are. Lord, you are, while we're told in Scripture that the earth is yours and all that it contains and that the world is yours and everything, everyone that dwells in it, And it's yours because you created it. We're not even worthy, Father, to approach or to to lift up our heads in prayer to you. We have no merit within ourselves to be able to even stand before you. And we recognize that the, the, the privilege of standing before you comes as a result of the shed blood of Jesus Christ. Lord, you are so kind to us, so gracious. And Father, even in spite of Your grace, in spite of how kind and patient You are, we still sin against You. Lord, it's it's not what we desire, but it happens, Lord. It happens. We, We don't fulfill the responsibilities that You've given us to do. We don't give attention to Your Word like we should. We don't love You like we should. We don't love others as we should. Lord, we have sinned in many, many ways this, this, this week, Lord. And we come before You asking for forgiveness. It's our privilege to be able to ask for forgiveness. And You are gracious and You are patient with us. And In fact, we, we see that You are eager to forgive and You are eager to cleanse us from all unrighteousness, You say. And so, Lord, again, this your kindness and your grace. And we can only respond to that with just thanksgiving and praise. 
and exaltation of Your Word. And Lord, that's what we do at this time. I pray that You would bless our time together around Your Word. And I, I thank You for the privilege of being able to, to do this in freedom. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, we have been, uh, we've been looking uh, at some of the essentials of the church, and it's just been my burden to kind of reevaluate as a pastor what I am to do. And to, uh, it's not my desire to reinvent the wheel or anything, but, but I want, I'm just forced to go back into Scripture and say, what is it essential that a pastor is to do? And we talked about that last week. In our evaluation, we, we saw in Second Timothy that Paul gave Timothy three commands to, to retain it and to guard that word, to hold on to that truth, to entrust that truth then to faithful men and then to, to preach that truth as well. Faithfully preach that word, that truth. And that's an essential role of a pastor. It's what the pastor is to do to make sure that truth is guarded and entrusted and then faithfully preached. And we've seen that role model for, for 40 years in this pulpit. And it's my privilege to, to follow that up. And that's, that's a difficult thing to do. It's a difficult thing to do. And the passage that we see before us, this is the Word of God. And you may, you may look at this passage and you think, well, there's, no, there's not very many commands in this passage. We don't, we don't see a, a whole lot here. Sometimes Scripture is that way, isn't it? We see uh, sometimes large portions of didactic teaching, a lot of theology, a lot of commands. Here's what to do. Here's what not to do. And a lot of teaching. But then... Much of Scripture is just stories. It's just examples of people's lives. Of Here's what not to do and here's what to do. And we're to use those examples as application for our own lives. We, we pull out the principles of the teaching and then we look for examples in the Word of God for those te- uh, that, that matches that teaching. And we pull those things together. And our lives are enriched because of that. And this passage that we see before us today, this is the conclusion of the book of Ephesians. And Paul kind of pulls back. He, he, he finishes what he's saying as far as teaching. And you can see the transition. He goes right into, and here's what I want you to do with it. And he says, pray. Pray for everyone. And then pray for me. And I tell you, as a, an essential element of the church, prayer is important. But I want you to see in this passage how Paul has, has woven this in to also, it's, it's, it's a prayer, but it's, he ends with a benediction. And what we see really is a, is a, a package, a, a snapshot of, of the church and what the church is supposed to be like. Some essential elements of the church. Now, there's many places that you can find these elements in the church. And we can go and, and, and we know those and we uh, we can look on in scripture and and see or even our own logo a pastor has taught us for many years is our, our responsibility is to know god and to make him known and, and we know those principles those are those are excellent good principles and there's many places that we could find in scripture to 
to bear out those, those principles. But here is just an example of that. This is where these two elements come together. These two elements come together right here. And here's what I want you to see. Here's the kind of the big picture. Here's the point. Well, first of all, this is Paul's, Paul's remarks here is really a snapshot of a church, a snapshot of what the church is to be like. Now, what I mean by snapshot, sometimes you just get images that are stuck in your mind. Now, I have an image of my great-grandmother that is just in my mind. Um, and I actually looked at the dates, and she died bef- you know, when I was about three, I believe. So I don't, I'm not sure how this actually works, but I, I remember her, where she was, the room that she was in, the, uh, what she was wearing, a little bit of facial expressions. I just remember very small glimpses of this, not very clear, but just a snapshot in my mind. It's a, it's a little fuzzy, but it's there. In fact, I remember a little bit being afraid of this older lady, you know? She's just, oh, what's wrong with her kind of thing? You know how great-grandmothers can look. Not all of them, obviously. But they're snapshots in your mind, maybe of a, a, an old friend or a person or uh, maybe a, a vacation or an event that something that happened in your life. And this snapshot, every once in a while, you, you'll, it'll come to mind. It won't be real clear. It'll be, it'll be a, a little fuzzy, but you get the image. You get the picture. And that's what Paul is leaving us with here in, at the end of Ephesus, in the, in the end of Ephesians. And here's the point. Here's what I want you to see. Faithful teaching of the Word of God to God's people should produce a love for God, produces a love for God, and for the brethren, which leads to an effective focus in missions. It leads to an effective focus in missions. Paul pulls all of this together. Now, what have we seen? Last week we saw how the church, the essential element of the church is the truth, the guarding of the truth. And it's the pillar and support of the truth. And the way this works is the truth is the, the hub of the wheel. And the things that motivate this wheel, that put this wheel into motion... <clears throat> The motivation of this is love. The right motivation for ministry is is love from a pure heart, we see. And then also, it produces then the right focus, which is missions. Now, this may not be as clear to you as I want it to be, but you'll see it. And the way we're going to approach this passage, we're going to look at the last two verses first. The last two verses. But before I get into that, let me just give you a a definition. This is just a working definition of the church. Here's what the church is. The church is a collection of spiritually gifted believers. God has added to His church who He wants. His, His believers have come together and collected together. And this is the local body right here. What have they done? Well, they've submitted themselves to the Word of God for their own spiritual growth and for the expansion of the church. Do you have it? 
So the local church is the, is the spiritual gifted believers submitting themselves to the truth of the Word of God as it's faithfully taught. And as a result of that, they grow spiritually. And as a result of that, the kingdom of God is expanded. Okay? That's just a, a quick version of the church or quick definition of the church. Now, let me go over the point again. Here's the point. Here's the the point of this passage. As faithful teaching of the Word of God, or faithfully teaching the Word of God to God's people should produce a love for God and the brethren, love for the brethren as well, which leads to a mission's focus. The church is to be a loving community, and the church is to be a missions-minded community. That's essentially it. That's essentially it. If, if the church just focuses on love and just continues to focus on itself, what happens? Just stagnation. If we just look at ourselves, if, if we're focuses just on ourselves and just on our little community, what happens? It's like a pond. If there's no water coming in and no water going out, it just stagnates. But if it's all missions... If it's all just outgoing, if, all, if it's all just about going out or, or being produced and, and doing, then what happens? The pond basically goes dry. Nothing really happens. So there's a, there's a balance there. There has to be water coming in. There has to be water going out. There has to be that motivation, that movement within the church. And there's no stagnation. It's constantly evolving, constantly moving, constantly active but yet there's a, a loving commitment with the body. I, I think you'll see that. I think you'll see that in this passage. Let me look at the... Let's begin by looking at the last two verses. Peace be to the brethren. Peace be to the brethren. And love with faith from God the Father and from the Lord Jesus Christ be with all those who love our Lord Jesus Christ with an incorruptible love. Now this is just a benediction. Paul is just ending this. This is just a blessing upon the church. But it gives us some information about the church. In fact, it answers a question, a few questions. But let me answer the first question. Why is the local church, why is the church a loving environment? Why is it? Because here's here's the situation. God could just save us and that be the end of it. He stamps us, put a stamp maybe on our forehead, and that's just it. We go on our merry way. At the end, when the judgment comes, He sets us over. You're over here and you're over here. It's not like that at all. He brings us into a loving environment. Look what Paul says. Peace be to the brethren. Now that's a key term right there, to the brethren. It's the family. Paul has spent much of Ephesians just talking about how these individual Christians have come now into the body of Christ. They are brethren. They're part of one another. They're in the family, if you will. They're brethren. So why is this a loving environment? Because we are family. We're family. It's a loving community. We're part of one another. Let me give you another answer to this. He says, Peace be to the brother and love with faith. And where's the love come from? From God our Father. This is love and faith which comes from God our Father. Along with the faith that God has put in our heart, He has given us love. 
That's an amazing concept that we kind of take for granted. It's not just faith and believing, and we can understand that, but He sheds His love. Paul says He sheds His love abroad in our hearts. In our hearts. We then become loving people. And we're placed into a family. And Paul's just asking, Lord, Lord, give them peace. Grant them peace within this brotherhood, within this family, within this local church. And this, all of this comes from God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. And he gives another one, grace be to all those who love our Lord Jesus Christ with an un- incorruptible love. So what we see is peace, we see love, we see faith, and now we see grace. This is the kind of environment that the church is to be. And Paul's praying for this. This is, a, this, is, this is a doxology. This is Paul's wrapping things up and he's just kind of play, laying out a blessing. But there's thought given to this, to this little doxology. There's a whole lot more here. In fact, it gives us just a snapshot of what the church is to be like. And it's a loving environment. It's a loving community. And this love produces peace. Love produces peace. And, of course, it's grounded in our love for Christ. And that love is what? It's, it's an incorruptible love. It's a love that will not die. It does not decay. It's, it's, not, it's an immortal love. Now that's, a, that's a beautiful picture. And if there's going to be a blessing upon Daniel's Bible church, this is what I would love for it to be right here. That we have that sense of family. That we have that peace and that grace upon our life. And that love for one another. And why is that? Paul knows. This is the foundation of where missions begins. This is the foundation. Now, let's go back and answer another quick question. Is How, does this, how is this love expressed? Because this, this can be a little fuzzy. What are we to do? Is it all kind of... Ushy gushy love for one another, kind of mushy filly stuff. Well, we do see some of that. Acts chapter two, in uh, the passage that Dave read for us earlier, Acts chapter two, verse forty-two, forty-seven. Let me read that passage. It's a wonderful passage. This is a, a great picture of the church. They were continuously devoting themselves to the apostles' teaching. There's that hub of truth, and they submitted themselves to it. They. they uh, the apostles' teaching and, and to fellowship and to breaking of bread and to prayer. Okay, so you have some elements there, some good elements of the church. And everyone kept a, uh, feeling a sense of awe. Now, they didn't pursue the awe. That was just a byproduct. They were, they were pursuing a, a, a loving relationship. That was what was developing there. They were submitting to that word, and it produced a community that loved one another, that loved each other. And many wonders and signs were taking place through the apostles. And all those who had believed were together. I believe that's a key element. They were together and had all things in common. They had a, a common mindset. This is the, these are key elements. Now, you could read on, but what happened to this group? Well, God told them, when the Holy Spirit comes upon you, what? Expand. Go out. 
That's what he told them in the, be- the beginning of the book of Acts. You'll become my witnesses, and I want you to, to spread the gospel. So they didn't stay there. They couldn't stay there. In fact, God brought uh, persecution on them, this church, so that they would spread. And then that's exactly what happened. But what happened was, is they spread, but their love did not change they were there over Passover week. They were there for a little while and they began to grow and, and the numbers began to, to spread and there was a need for uh, money and, and people gave and people sold and, and it was a wonderful environment. But they had, to, they had to expand. It wasn't God's intent that they just enjoy one another's fellowship the whole time. That's not the point. That's not God's purpose. It's fun. It's good. It's a wonderful thing. But their focus had to be where? Outside. Outside. Now, they still had this loving environment. I believe that when they went back to their places where they lived, they went to their homes, they, they lived, like Paul says, in a peaceable and quiet manner working with their own hands so that they may have to give to others. That's that loving environment. They had those churches. Those were good things. But you know what? It was in a ta- and it was in a tangible way. It was a very tangible way. This love. It wasn't just this feeling of awe. That's a byproduct. It was very tangible. Very tangible. In fact, we read on in Acts and it says they sold property and gave so that they wouldn't have need. Here's what we do today, I think. We express our love to God by singing a song, by expression, by declaring our love for God. There's nothing wrong with that. Praise to the Lord. That's good. Christ said, what did He say? If you love Me, keep My commandments. Do. Do. Man, we love this environment. But Christ says, do. You get out there and do. He told Peter, Peter, do you love me? Yeah, I love you, Lord. Do you love me, Peter? Yeah, I love you. Peter, do you love me? He says, yeah, then feed my sheep. It's a very tangible, practical way that we express our love for the Lord. Now, we can we can see that in the one and others that we find... Uh, in Scripture, we uh, some very practical one another's. Let me just give you uh, just some of this list. So just kind of apply this. Here's what the church is to do: just one another. We are to greet one another. We're seen and seen in Scripture. We're to comfort one another. We're to forgive one another. To build up one another. We're to serve one another. We're to bear one another's burdens. We're to encourage one another, to meet one another's needs, to be kind and tenderhearted for one another. We're to care and minister for one another. Do you recognize some of these? Yeah, this is what the body is to do. We're to minister to one another, show hospitality to one another. We're to pray for one another. That's what the church does. There goes my list. So we'll stop right there. (laughs) You, You get the picture, though. You get the picture. That's what is expected. And that's a good environment. That's what we want. That's the kind of environment that we want our children to grow up in. So that they know the church is that loving community 
where we're committed to one another, where there's a loyalty to one another. Because out of that, out of that environment, we can see, and we'll see it, grows missions. A focus on the outside. A focus on missions. We don't stay in that environment. That's a good environment, but that's not, that's not where we live. We're not in heaven yet. What really concerns me, though, sometimes is when you see people that are Christians that really don't get involved in the church, that really don't want to have anything to do with other believers. They say they're Christians, but they're, they're not really involved. They might attend on Sundays every once in a while, or they might do this or that, but they're not really here. They're not really part of that, that loving environment. And there's warnings in Scripture about that. Now, I recognize that our love for one another is not perfect, and it's not going to be this side of heaven. We're still sinful people, so this kind of love has to grow, doesn't it? It has to be cultivated. It's not an undistracted love. Sometimes my love for you is, is distracted with my love for my family, or my love for the Word, or, or my love for other things. So it's not a perfect love yet. And it's a love that has to be cultivated. And, and I, I, as a pastor, I see this as very important in our church. And, I, and I, I spend hours thinking, how can I produce this loving environment? What can I do? It's a burden on my heart. It's something that I want to see. Why? Because you can grow in that environment. People can grow. People are loved in that environment. I want my family to have that environment. I can grow kids in that kind of environment. I want the, the new believers that come into the church to grow in that environment. You can really produce in that environment. It's a good environment to have. But I've come to the conclusion that really a church cannot produce that environment. There's nothing that we can do or that I can do to force you to love one another, is there? I just can't. I can't do it. I can't do it. It has to be from within, doesn't it? It has to be God's love shed abroad in your heart and your life and, and you come together in, in love. And there's many things that drive us apart. There's many differences. There's old people and young people and there's, there's people with kids and people without kids and there's single people and there's married people. There's many things that, that can push us apart, but at the same time, we want to have that family. We need to have that family environment, that commitment for one another. What can we do? How can we produce that? Well, Paul says that we have a debt of love for every man. We know it's a, healthy, it's a sign of a healthy church. And let me try to give you an illustration of this. When I was a youth pastor, I... Um, just a young guy, got out of college, Bible college. I go into a, a church, a church probably of this size. And, and um, there was one, uh, two other pastors on staff. And there was a pastor with, uh, just for seniors, for the senior citizens. And he was an old guy, he really was. Um, I'm not just saying that. He was in his 80s. And of course, I'm a teenager here. I'm, I'm probably, well, not really a teenager, probably early 20s. And I see this guy, and this guy would come every week to our staff meeting. And he would give reports. I visited 15 people this week. I have uh, organized this many 
retreats. I've organized a, the, the older people. We're going to go up to Amish country. And next month, we're going to do this. We're going to have a picnic. And next month, we're going to do this. And I just saw this is a bunch of, bunch of programs. What's the purpose of this? How does this fit with the purpose of the church? I just don't see it. I don't see it. And um, I spent six years with this, this guy. And actually, he, he passed away. And, and I tell you, by the end, uh, I loved him. I loved his wife. They were so precious. Here's what I saw. In my evaluation of this older group, now he was in charge, it was 55 and above. And I tell you what, people couldn't wait till they were 55 because they wanted to be in that group. Isn't that amazing? And he would, he would, he created such a loving environment in that group. How did he do that? He just got them together. He didn't care what. He didn't care if it was a picnic out back. He didn't care if it was all in, in, a, in a van going up to Amish country to see the Amish for the 150th time. It wasn't about the Amish, was it? It wasn't about the picnic. It was about just getting together, getting the fellowship, getting to know one another, allowing the spiritual gifts of each individual person to work on the, indiv- or the, the body as a whole. And they had a loving environment. And you know what come out of that? A strong, stable church. That's what came out of that. Those people were committed to one another. They were faithful. They were loyal. They attended church regularly. They give. They gave faithfully. They were committed to missions. Now, if we don't have that cohesion of love and loving com- a community here and a loving environment, we're just splinters. Now, I might stay. I might go. I don't know. You know, it's kind of where I'm at. Really, very little to no commitment to the church. That endangers missions. It does. It does. So Paul, Paul pleads, or Paul brings this blessing. Let there be peace on you, brethren, and love with faith. Love one another. Have that community of love because out of that, out of that comes a strong, missions-minded church. And that goes to the second point. Look at verses 21 and 22. And we're working backwards here, I know, but I, I want you to see, that was the foundation, let's work backwards. Here's, here's what he says, verse 21, back in Ephesians chapter 6. But that you also may know about our circumstances, how I'm doing, Tychicus, the beloved brethren and faithful minister, recognized those terms that had been entrusted with the gospel. He was faithful, minister in the Lord, will make everything known to you. And I, am, I have sent him to you for this very purpose, so that you may know about us, and, now look at the last part, and that he may comfort your hearts. How are their hearts going to be comforted? How are they going to be encouraged in their hearts? By hearing a report of what God is doing, what Paul is doing, what's going on in Paul's life. Where is their focus? It was, it was this loving environment, but man, their focus is, what's God doing? What's God doing in the world? They were concerned about Paul. Is he in prison? I don't know. I heard that he was in prison. 
And here, you can imagine, all of a sudden, Tychicus comes and he's got this letter from Paul. Oh yeah, that's Tychicus. He's one of Paul's guys. And Tychicus and, and Timothy were, were probably there and ministered together and they loved one another. And Tychicus comes and he finally uh, arrives and he has this letter from Paul. And you can imagine, Timothy, how excited Timothy was to see a fellow minister. Yeah, what's going on? Tell us about it. They were concerned. They were concerned. They were concerned about Paul. Of course, they loved Paul. Paul was their pastor for three years. He ministered to them. He was basically chased out of um, Asia Minor. And he wounds up in prison. And they're concerned. But you know what? I think they had a concern what God was doing. Is the gospel spreading? Is the, is the kingdom of God being expanded? I think that was their focus as well. Um, and that raises a question in my mind. You can see that on the sheet that you have, maybe your handout. What is God doing in the world? What is it that we are responsible to do? What are we supposed to do? Well, the best thing for us to do is to fit in with what God is already doing. God is doing this. And we fit in with what God is doing. And what, is, what in the world is the Trinity doing? You have the Trinity. What is God the Father doing? God the Father is still holding people accountable to their own sinful nature, through their own sinful state. That's what He's doing. And God still has them under His wrath. Billions of people in this world. They're under God's wrath because they have not bowed the knee to Christ. That's what God is doing. And God is a faithful God and He will continue to do that. What is Christ doing? Christ said, I will build my church. Is Christ building His church? Absolutely. Absolutely. And He has given us Daniel's Bible Church, believers here in the greater Beckley area, the responsibility to to be involved in building His church. And what's the Holy Spirit doing? We'll find out in in John chapter 14 that the Holy Spirit is convicting the world of sin, righteousness, and judgment, isn't He? That's exactly what He's doing. So He's going along. He's going before you get there. And He's working in hearts. And when you come along, you, you just you present the gospel. You say, look, you, you're a sinful person. You're just like I was, man. You're sinful. Now, if you're here, and this is new to you, you're not aware of what God is doing. You know, God's concerned about you. He's not willing that any should perish. I would plead with you. You are a sinful person. I would plead with you. Come to this God. Place yourself in His mercy and His care. Entrust your future to Him and repent of your sins. But as a church, we need to recognize what God is doing. God is not silent, folks. God is moving. He is working in this world. He is working in great in uh, Beckley area and Daniel's area. He is working. He is working in people's lives. What we have to do is go. We have to go. We have to spread the message. We have to tell people about Christ. Now, I, I know that's kind of nebulous. Cause it's kind of broad. You, you know those things. But what I want us to do is to fit in with what God is doing. 
That's our focus. God is our focus. And we fit in with what He is doing on this earth. And through our evangelism, the church is built up. The body of Christ is built. The the kingdom of God is expanded. The local church expands. And people move from isolated Christians to a body of believers. There's accountability. There's um, maturity happening in the faith. People in the faith are growing. There's a connection to the church at large, the history of the body of Christ. And people begin to see the ups and downs of ministry. Sometimes you're in prison. That's what the church is. And the church is concerned. And what happens then is the church in this loving environment sees that, boy, we can't stay here. We've got to look, look to the outside. And they begin to get a global vision, a global vision. They send their children as missionaries. We're going to skip what does a missionary do in that question. But I want you to, I just want you to, I'll paint this last picture for you. How does a missions-focused church look? What what does it look like to me, a missions-focused church? A church that is focused on missions. Well, it's it's a church that's concerned, isn't it? They're concerned about the well-being of their missionaries. They're concerned, they, they were concerned about Paul and what was going on in Paul's life. So there was concern. I also believe as a result of that concern was prayer. Paul told them to pray and they probably were already praying for Paul and pray for boldness, he says. So there's prayer, there's concern. There's also communication here, isn't there? Paul, as a missionary, is making sure that he's communicating back to the local church. And the local church then will communicate back to Paul. There's an awareness also of what God is doing globally. That's a missions-minded church. And also, I have a feeling that they're preparing these missionaries. They're being faithful to teach the Word of God. The faithful teaching of the Word of God produces an environment where love happens where ministry happens and people begin to grow. And then, and then we, we send people out into the world. That's a strong, healthy church. What kind, of, what kind of signal do we send our children if we're not a missions-focused church? Does the children even ask, you know, do, do, do we have missionaries? Who are our missionaries? Do they even know our missionaries? If they do not know, if they don't see us concerned in praying for missionaries, then I'm concerned that the children probably won't go. If they don't see a loving environment, a community that loves one another and sticks together, and there's a loyalty and faithfulness here, they're going to be reluctant. I don't know. I'm not, I'm not sure if I want to go on the mission field. Things may just fall apart here, and I have no sending church. I have no support. And that's really caused me, honestly, folks, to, to evaluate, what are we doing with our missionaries? I've been communicating with our missionaries the past two or three weeks just because of listening and understanding these things. And it concerns me that we don't know what's going on about them, knowing what's going on in their lives. Are we praying for our missionaries like, they, like we should? And we have this loving environment. And I believe that one of these days our children, and maybe even now, 
there's going to be couples to be sent out from this church. I believe we are a missions-focused church, but I think we can cultivate that even more. Cultivate that even more. So you have two couples, two different churches, two different sending churches, but they go to the same Bible college together, and they get the same training, and they're about the same level, and they go out to two different parts of the world. Two different parts of the world. One couple has a church that is in communication with them all the time. They're concerned for them. They send care packages. They, um, they, there's that connection there. And the Lord blesses that ministry. The other, ch- the other couple, they're in a different part of the world. But you know what? The Lord blesses that ministry anyway. There's no connection with the local church. They, they might struggle at times. But the Lord still blesses, right? The Lord can do that. Yeah, He can. They, they wind up dogging it out and staying on the field and in spite of the obstacles and the Lord blesses. He can do that. Yeah. What's the difference? It's a matter of coming down to which one glorifies the Lord. The end result's the same. But which one glorifies the Lord? The sending church that's there with communicating with the missionaries, sending the missionaries, supporting the missionaries, praying for the missionaries, caring for the missionaries, connecting with the missionaries as much as they can? I think so. I think that's a, a church that pleases the Lord. I think we please the Lord in the process. The Lord's going to build His church. We need to be about what God is doing, and we need to be doing it in a way that glorifies the Lord. I believe. And I believe that 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 part of that includes this loving environment. A loving environment. Just getting together. Whatever excuse. Whatever group you want to be with. Whatever group you want to be involved in. I think it's a matter of getting together, faithful teaching of the Word of God, and in keeping a, a good vision of what God is doing in the world. Folks, that's just essential. That's really basic to the church. That's really basic. Now, you're looking at me probably as like, well, is he just now discovering this? Well, you know, in many senses, yeah, I just am. It's the way the church is to respond, to react, and and to be. But I want you to know, this is where my heart is. This is where I'm moving. And and I want, with the, the Lord's help, no, I believe that the Lord wants to build Daniel's Bible church into that kind of church that he can bring these young people through, filter them through Daniel's Bible church, and then just catapult them all over the world. And have a, a huge impact in all over the world. I think he's already done that. And I think we need to continue that. Let's go to the Lord in prayer. Father, I, I pray that you would use these words in spite of my fumbling. Lord, help us to understand this vision. Help us to understand what you want. How a healthy church is to look and to function. What, what a healthy church is to do. Father, help us to be faithful in praying for our missionaries. Lord, may there be many people on Wednesday nights coming together, praying and and hearing what God is doing.
overseas and with our missionaries and in praying, spending time in prayer for them. How essential this is, how important this is, but how basic it is, Father. Father, help us to glorify you with this church. And we pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen.